You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Welcome back to another episode of Love of Pages, the Geek Elite Media Network uh, book club. Words. Words are hard today. Words are really, really hard today, which is why we're reading a book about writing a book, essentially. Essentially. (laughs) The book. That's the book in the book. Book within a book within a book podcast. Bookception. I am Elizabeth, and I am joined, as always, by the lovely crew, Naima, Jessica, hi, and Steven. Though this was better than being called moderately okay looking. I knew you were going to bring that up. and Steven. Sorry. It was too funny. It was too funny. <laughs> And I know you can take it. Oh, no, yeah. I know yeah. you believe in yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> so we are finishing up today The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Boop. <laughs> Steven and his audiobooks. <laughs> silly, silly audiobooks. They're good. Uh, <laughs> so before we jump into the third section, what's everybody drinking tonight? I guess I'll start. So I'm drinking a fizzy Manhattan, which is just a good string of luck from the amount that I love Sprite and the fact that I had whiskey in the house now. So thanks, Elizabeth. (laughs) (laughs) Jessica? I'm drinking a London lemonade, which is lemonade with gin in it. That's what makes it London. And I chose this because I go to a speakeasy in this. Yep. I figured gin and lemonade would probably be something you'd get at a speakeasy. That's fair. So, yes. So, actually, I've I've decided to term this as our uh, prohibition uh, bar. (laughs) Because I'm drinking a sidecar, which is cognac, um, Mm. chartreux, and lemon juice. So, a real quick, because I just always find this very interesting... So Naima's drink is a twist on the classic Manhattan, which was named one of the six basic drinks listed in the 1948 classic, The Fine Art of Mixing Drinks. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is one of six different cocktails named for the Manhattan Borough in New York. Hmm. What are the others? Interesting fact about that. They're all probably also just some Manhattanite, Manhattan, Manhattan like, yeah. version of <laughs> And Jessica's London Lemonade is a twist on either the Gin Fizz or the French 75. Yep. Both of which, all three of which require gin and lemon juice and simple syrup. The French 75 calls for champagne. The Gin Fizz just calls for fizzy soda because that's what Americans could get in <laughs> during Prohibition. I was supposed to importing champagne. Yeah, I was originally going to make a gin fizz, but my club soda had seen better days, so I just went, ah, I should do lemonade and gin. I'm sure it's a drink. Uh, <laughs> and it was. And <laughs> the sidecar um, 
the claimed birthplace is the Ritz Hotel in Paris, mm-hmm. although that is debated. Both London and Paris claim rights to the sidecar. Surprise, surprise. Yep. Um, however, it was invented just after the end of World War I. So, and it requires cognac, um, orange liqueur. I used control. You can also use triple sec and then lemon juice. And I should have sugared the rim and done this in a coupe glass, but I wanted to enjoy my martini glass that Jessica bought me for my birthday. And I'm just kind of sugared out. So the concept of sugaring the rim was like, made me a little sick to my stomach. (laughs) I I guess uh, keeping with this theme, I personally am Mm -hmm. obeying prohibition. Mm. Uh, I have water. (laughs) And I'm being a badass. I've got candy cigarettes. Oh oh my god, I love candy cigarettes so much. If I can get one. What a teetotaler. I'm so jealous. I really love them. It's one of those weird candies that I love. Out the place that only sells like old candy out here, so we'll just mail you a box. And when she says they'll mail you a box, she's going to go overboard and she's going to buy a carton of the boxes. And we just say how big of a box. And ship them to you. You just want to see. (laughs) Waiting for the year here. Steven, Steven, please bring those with you to Vegas. Uh, I'll I'll definitely need to get a different package. These will be gone so quick. No, no, no. But I'm just saying you need to bring candy cigarettes to Vegas. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Whenever we go into a bar, I'll take a like a nickel nip, and I'd be like, "Ah, yeah, I'm gonna crack one open." <laughs> oh God! What I'd pay to be a hidden camera. Um, <laughs> someone telling you you can't smoke in here, and you just starting to eat it. <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> just like, like, just like, excuse me, you can't, you can't smoke those in here. I'm, I'm sorry, what? what was you were saying something. <laughs> Oh, the look of horror as it watches <laughs> over the 21 year old's face. Oh, yeah, goodness. Books, huh? Okay. Books. Books. Yes. <laughs> books. We will get to books because it is a book club, but you know, it's fun. Is it? So, when we last left off, I actually am trying to figure out where we left off because all I can uh, think about is like the last three chapters. Uh, which definitely, like, got me. A few. Oh, yes. So when we left off, we just discovered that <laughs> it's so that Henry that Henry could write down Addie's stories. So we read parts five, six, seven. That's I think it. it's just the seven. Yep, that's yeah. it. Five, six, and seven. With how short that last part is, I'm 100% certain they were doing that. Yeah, seven freckles, seven parts. Mm. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah. But general thoughts. I don't, I came away with it at the end. Like, I, I liked the opening better than, well... I liked the middle part of the book better than the opening and the ending. If I'm putting them in order, I like the middle part first, beginning second, and third. Oh, okay. I'd put it farther down the list if I could. 
I just feel like I got to the end of this book and now I feel like Addie's one of my friends that I've continually told to stop being in this horrid relationship yep. that I'm walking back into. <laughs> it's like, no, no, it's okay. I'll be fine. This is, And then it's just like, I want to care still. I really do. But I'm losing the ability to be able to fight this for you. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jessica, general thoughts? I had to add in my own stuff to like it. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Interesting. A, well, you I mean, a, a you a you fan fiction? <laughs> no, it's not even that. I just had to think of. I'm like, okay, maybe she just becomes her own goddess in the end. That's mm. what I. If I considered it, this is the birth of a goddess. Then I liked it. But other than that, it was okay. Like it was a good book. It was a good read. It was well written. But I was like. I don't know how to feel. <laughs> so I actually liked the ending quite a bit. And I liked that it was not really an ending. Because yeah. oftentimes I feel like books force the tie it up in a pretty bow. And I kind of like that this, it clearly didn't leave it open for a sequel. There wasn't going to mm-hmm. be a sequel. No. But it left things open to your imagination. Jessica could determine that this was just a goddess's birth, a trickster goddess's birth. Um, so real quick, broad brush strokes of the last section of the plot line. We come to find out. So we go through Addie and Luke, Adeline and Luke's relationship build from hating each other to Luke basically quote unquote falling in love with her and the huge blow up and burning down he gifts her a house in New Orleans. She, they burn it down in a fight um, because he says the word surrender. And that's a trigger word for her, as it should be. <laughs> as it very much should be. Um, Don't give yourself away. You're going to get us copyright stricken. I know. Sorry. That's why I'm talking over her. It's fine. Um <laughs> So then we get to the anniversary date and we come to find out that I think it was both Jessica and Naima, maybe Steven, that Luke did in fact put Henry on her path, specifically arranged this deal. Yeah. Um, Although it seems more like an arrangement by circumstance, like Henry asked the right for the right deal and he's like, oh. So oh, I could make this work as opposed to like actually hunting Henry out in particular because he looks so much like Luke because you get this commentary about, well, I guess I should be flattered that he looks so much like me. Um, so come to find out Henry has made this deal not for a lifetime, but for one year. One year, <laughs> which really kind of sucks. <laughs> um, so... Luke agrees to Addie, go on a date with me for one day, one evening, and I'll consider bending Henry's deal. Mm-hmm. That obviously blows up in Addie's face as Luke intended. Um, and he ends up taking six days from her and Henry. So you get the kind of play out how those last days kind of count down. 
But then we come to find out at the very end, just as the clock strikes midnight on Henry's last day, that Addie's been playing the long game over the last few months and made a deal with Luke to bend the rules. Essentially, she agrees to become his wife or his partner or... I, would say I don't trophy. even know what to call it. Trophy? Yeah. yeah. Maybe trophy, yeah. Trophy for as long as Luke wants her to be by his side in exchange for Henry's freedom from the deal. And that Henry remembers her. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So it closes with Henry having published The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue without an author's name. And we come to discover that Addie was very particular with her words because she has spent the last 300 years learning what pisses Luke off. Mm -hmm. And so she is intent upon patiently waiting him out and pushing his buttons at just the right time for him to dismiss her and therefore set her free because it will undo her curse as well. Um, so that's kind of the broad brush strokes. I think I caught most of the highlight points. I would, I would like to note one thing. Go for it. Nal made me crazy. Well, made me think I was crazy by saying that she always had the ring. And I like to know it was confirmed in this part that she did not always have the ring. Luke <laughs> gave it back to her. <laughs> This is not have me crazy. I was like, no, she, no, it went away when she made her deal. I was going insane. So I was, I was wondering, I was thinking of you in that part. I did also appreciate that basically all of our predictions did come true in some format. Yeah. Like, you know, cause she, we talked about her potentially losing Henry at the end of his life. That's what he was supposed to occur at the end of this year. Um, we talked about Luke possibly having put them on a collision course. We talked about her figuring out a way to reverse and somehow having them die together at the same time. They didn't die together, but she did reverse the curses. Did anyone make that? Did anyone make that one serious? Like I, I joked about it. <laughs> I didn't think that's what they would do. I made the um, oh the Nicholas Sparks reference. It was a uh, Hunger Games. Yeah, I made that oh, joke, yeah. but I never meant that one. I didn't think this book ended with them dying together. That would have been horrible. That would have been real bad. I yeah. actually thought that might happen because it seemed like that depressing kind of book that that could occur. They did. I so I, I wouldn't definitely go into conversation about the book and everything. I still th- people categorize this as a fun book. Everyone Not a fun internet, book. Everyone on the internet <laughs> lied. You. I don't like, think there's anything like. I guess like extremely saddening about the book like it didn't bring up any like specific like, emotions in me or make me angry or be like yeah. ah yeah it was a yeah. fun read versus like the content itself was like overly joyous it's just uh, coming off of other like another book that I had just read um the first the first book that uh Hank Green had published that was a more fun time, even though Jess will agree, the main character, eternally frustrating. Still more fun than what this one was. I feel like I'm just used to books that are more downers. Um, like poor. Yeah. 
we just finished American Delirium, which was neither a downer nor happy, but it was just very confusing. And the book he chose next, he just prefaced with, this is depressing and about a pandemic. And I'm like, okay. Wow. Oh, they're going to read The Down Days? <laughs> no. Uh, it's a <laughs> French book, but it's about Ebola. So not this pandemic, but an old pandemic. Oh, <laughs> you know, just kidding. A, a quote unquote old pandemic like yeah, eight years, years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have Ebola right now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but like, so the thing that like got me the most about this last part is I I think Luke to me was more humanized to this portion than ever because his ego got bruised so many times. So many times. <laughs> and I feel like honestly him saying that he set them on a collision course was ego. Like I don't think that actually happened. I, I think it ego and he was like you think that this just would have happened like looks to the side. I, I totally did. <laughs> And she's like, why? And he's like, because it's what you wanted, as if I had ever given you anything that you wanted before. <laughs> Let's go and like, yeah. and like he's and like he's not super jealous that she's spending time or thinking of Henry at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I will say they did a decent job of that, showing that. Oh, like, can I can I pause that collective sigh from Naima and Jessica at the same time was pretty prime. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was great to see that because it's like I like ideas that like they take gods and they like give them basically the reflections of the same traits because I'm still on that whole well humans created gods by like giving them all this power and all that stuff so they're gonna reflect us a little more but mm -hmm. it was just too perfect of every time his his ego got bruised I was like good you deserve this <laughs> and it, how they wrapped it up that basically he put himself in a deal that I consider to be very similar to the deal that Addie put herself into. He's now buying time. Like, he's like, no, no, I won't, you know, let you go because I can, you know, like, I'm a god. I can put up with this for forever. She's going to spend oh, yeah. however many hundreds of years pushing those buttons until he says when. <laughs> and though she never, like, really did. And I did appreciate the fact that she's like 300 years and he hasn't figured out how to read my moods, but I know every shade of color in his eyes because I've been paying attention. I also particularly liked the line when he turned the tarts into dust at the restaurant because she said Henry's name. She's like, fickle cod, fickle gods. And I was like, yep, it's our anniversary. And then she's like, come on, babe, it's not that. And he's just like, dust, it's all dust. <laughs> Uh, so good so good i think yeah i still think luke's my favorite character out of this entire book i still like i can't get around the fact that like, he's just got so much going on man b b is mine yeah but it's better <laughs> i particularly like b's comment at the end with henry where she's like well you better give me credits in the book because like you stole my thesis that's like true. the woman across all the artwork, like the fact that she caught on so quickly and was like, no, 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 I deserve credit. <laughs> credit where credit's due. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I don't believe the idea at the end, if, if we're supposed to believe the idea that Luke actually put them on a whole crash course for the two of them, that he's actually been outsmarted in this way but i also don't fully believe that 
he put them on that whole crash course. So I, I don't know what to think about this one. And it's not in the way where I like an open-ended kind of thing because I enjoy an open-ended book or an open-ended ending. Um, like The Giver, I have no problem with whatsoever when everyone that I've ever talked to about this one that isn't a big book person, I guess, um, is just very much like, no, that, that wasn't even an ending. That's fine. It's fine. The game Soma, I'm fine with that ending. Like So many things like that I don't care about. This one, I just, I got nothing. I felt like we were setting things up for so long and this ending was just, it was like, we were just careening towards an ending and we got to one, but there wasn't one. I don't know. It's just something about the pacing of the whole book up to now into this ending. I that makes sense. When yeah. you were explaining that, I saw like a car like careening toward like a brick wall. And then right at the last second, it kind of just like curves and stops. It's, it's, like, it's <laughs> like the car was like careening towards a wall the whole time. And it's just like, Aah! and then it just like stops immediately in front of it and then flops on its side. Yeah. <laughs> I, like why why did this happen uh, yeah. See, yeah that's fair I didn't get the impression I because I was with Naima that like clearly Luke's ego was hurt and he's like no of course I like set this up like I, I'm the one who like created it I think he did but after the fact and by chance like I think once Henry asked for it yeah. And he gave it to him. He's like, oh, wait. Like, like that vindictive jock who, like, once he knows that he can, like, make two people's lives miserable, he arranges that. But, like, pre-knowing that doesn't set that up. Yeah. yeah. If that makes sense. I understand. That's yeah, he's still, he's still planning on the fly with some foresight. I'll yeah. And, I, and to me, the reason I think that the ending works with Addy and why he doesn't see it is because he feels like he's one. Yeah. That, that's yeah. That's his, the thing that his, gets me there. His ego is, his ego is blocking him from realizing it. I think Naima's is right. He's going to realize it as she starts pushing his buttons mm-hmm. that he's basically trapped himself in her curse. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to come to realize that. And I think she's going to have a lot harder time than she thinks she does at the end of the book of convincing him to let her go. Yeah. But I don't think he realizes it right now because his ego is so bolstered that she ch- chose him. I just think if if we go with the literal terms of what this new deal is supposed to be, if he like goes to CVS to go grab a soda, like bam, she's free. Like I, it's, it's <laughs> that's inside of two well, days no. that she's free. I don't think so because it's as long as he wants her there. So yeah. he has to stop wanting her. Yeah. So, but how how literal do we take it? When does she get to call it? Does it just break when it's true, or is it something where she's like, "No, you you had to go do something else. You wanted to be somewhere else, and didn't want me to go with you. I'm free." I understood it as a dismissal thing. Like he yeah. has to her around. Like you need to go. You're getting on my nerves. But I think that's the thing is like, I don't think either of them really won because like she wins right now because she is now thinking she has all the cards because she's Mm -hmm. like, I get to just do whatever I want. I know the love of my life or whatever. Henry is safe doing whatever he's doing. He remembers me. I got the thing I wanted. She's lived 700 lives as of this point. So she's good. (laughs) But like she gets to annoy Luke to the point where she thinks that he will eventually just let go. 
unfortunately i think when he does come to the realization that he has trapped himself in basically a curse of his own making he again is a god and has all the power yeah I was, <laughs> he, the, the, and i think he's gonna torture her yeah where it's like god i don't know you know you oh like i just think that the idea that like he just needs to like the only actual way to release her would to be to not want her around he can make it so he doesn't have to ever cross that line i guess where it's just like well you'll live on this side of the world and i'll be here i still want you around just way over (laughs) (laughs) you know it's like it doesn't have if it was a literal meeting where she had to actually be by his side no she has all the cards but if it's a thing where it's like he has to actually dismiss her and he can visit whenever he wants then she can go on living like she has been and he can go on not being disturbed by the fact that he's now in this new curse with her. And I don't think it can be literal because the last scene is the fact that he walks into the bookstore and he wasn't there. Yeah. That's what I mean. So is she already free? No say? No. No. <laughs> like my, my, my bigger yeah. question for this one is if she becomes free of this new deal, um, how do we think that Luke makes that work because we don't have a definition for that. Does she just drop dead because she no longer has his gift of infinite life? Does she live as is normal for a human lifespan from that point forward? Does she still have the long life, the long life? The optimist in me wants to say that she just picks up from whatever age she is and dies a natural cause whenever she, whether that's in her forties, fifties, you know, with the ability to be seen and remembered (laughs) which again might not be as great as the ability to like i feel like you kind of get into that weird feeling of we only have our life to live and so we don't know really others and if it's better but we spend our whole lives like ah i would love that or my life would be better with that and so she's gotten this sort of run around yeah if Mm. you if time wasn't an issue and you could do everything. You could see the world and do all the things. And then all of a sudden be thrown back into regular life. Would she even like it? You know, no. like, you want it back. But, like, ugh. Now you gotta get a job. <laughs> As yeah, you say, the, that's, so that's the part that I found interesting. <laughs> is, like, when Henry challenges her on it, she very clearly still feels guilty about stealing. And I'm like, like after 300 years, wouldn't that guilt kind of, like, fade? I think she only feels guilty because Henry called her out on it. Yeah. I, think she'll, I don't think she would normally feel guilty, yeah, but because Precious Henry said it, she's well, like... Something made it work before. Yeah. In this in this situation, there is a consequence, um, like an injured party, even if it's just his opinion of her. Yeah. yeah. And I think just like from the that conversation that she had with him, that I don't think the guilt's necessarily coming from her, but like Luke mentioned that like, you know, someone always like, where do you think this comes from? Someone always gets the repercussions of that. Whether you steal food from a store and seriously missing, someone feels that like, it's not just like you. There are always consequences. I I did think back to earlier in the book, like way earlier, we we got the situation where she was playing piano, I believe in the musician's Mm -hmm. apartment. Who we, we had come back around. That was nice. But mm-hmm. no, she she played piano in that apartment, but she's not supposed to be able to mm, affect things. 
past a certain amount of time. I, why does the string of a piano not fall to this? Like the resonance of it. It should only go for so long. But I guess we, I mean, we make exceptions for the fact that clothes are displaced by her. Otherwise, she would be walking around naked all the time. Well, I think the piano would still work just because she's still like, she's corporal. She can touch things. I mean, like, I don't think it would be like a thing if she's like holding the thing and it's like it lasts for any I, long time. I mean, this is just resonance because, yeah, so, some things it'll the, be like she'll look at something and she sees it whoop, go back up or whatever. And that's the thing that always throws me off with how did she steal something and there were repercussions for that? Because in my mind, it should have just sort of disappeared from people's minds. I guess yeah, she might she, have like a sphere of influence. Yeah. If she's, if her continued, like, continued effect on that her, thing is there. It's yeah. Outside that. Once, so long as, so long as she is touching it, it can be touched. But mm -hmm. the minute she stops and see, and I think that the piano the best example is when she spills the drink on the actor's papers. Mm -hmm. The cup has still fallen over. The liquid, however, just gradually disappears and doesn't affect the paper like it should. Yeah. So to me, the sound still occurs, but she wouldn't be able to capture it. Like it wouldn't be recordable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it can't stay. Yeah. It's just an oddity. I don't know. It's weird. That's Curses thing that are I hard to write. <laughs> and write successfully. Everyone attempt to write your own. See if it looks good. No. Yeah. <laughs> so I, have, I, have, I have student loan debt. I have a nice template for a curse. <laughs> Even that has holes in it. I haven't exactly figured out the holes for that yet, but there are some. <laughs> the only holes that are in mine are just the things that are keeping it in that three ring binder in the record department. <gasps> nope. Listen, if we hold out hope for long enough, someone will get rid of those loans. So that's what I'm banking on because I have too many. So <laughs> eventually we just die and then they go away. How did you guys feel um, about the relationship between her and Luke now that we got so much of it and a very long time uh, of their relationship? I, just, I had a hard time. I think I mentioned on podcast. I like a loathing to like relationship. <laughs> I really do. I had a hard time not shipping it because <laughs> it's just my crag. But I was like, no, this is not the book. Like, this is not the book. <laughs> There's no sequel to this book. He really is just manipulating. Like, <laughs> don't ship it. It was really hard because, yeah, I found Henry incredibly boring. And <laughs> I'm like, no, he really Shadow does. God. For someone like has very limited time, he didn't seem as interesting as a person that I feel like should have been. That's running on limited time. Like that's I need you to be us. and crazy. No, no, no! I don't have a year to live. That's different. it's all limited time. <laughs> well, no, because like you, because like I'm with Naima. Like you think about it. Like just like the way Naima's putting it. Like when you get a cancer diagnosis, that's when people are like, "I'm gonna go skydiving. I'm gonna go bungee jumping. I'm gonna go." Travel the world. I'm going to spend all my money because there is no tomorrow to live for. Yeah. Listen, my favorite movies is Last Holiday with Queen Latifah in it. And Stephen knows what I'm talking about. But she got a diagnosis that was fake. And she went and lived everything. If anyone ever told me I had a year to live, I would just replicate that movie. <laughs> yep. Every it's single a solid choice. Yeah. Brain solid cloud. Choice. Joe versus the volcano. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, like I certainly wouldn't have stayed at my quote unquote dead end job and like I would have gone and did all the things that would have probably made his family go like, dang, he is really living life. You know, (laughs) he would have gotten all of the same satisfaction had he just chosen to live his life. That's another thing. The Luke and Addie question. I want to ship them because I I also feel like I have this desire for the like, (laughs) it's every show, every book that it comes up. I am immediately drawn to that relationship. Is it abusive? Is it not great? Yes, but it's so captivating. But something about this relationship was just off to me because I couldn't put my thumb on him of like what was like manipulation and what was true because some of it seemed more sincere. Yeah. Actual manipulation. The other thing is it's all Addie's point of view of it. You don't get his point of view, which is why I'm like, this is why, which is why I was like, there's definitely fan fiction of this because somebody has written his point of view. Not greatly, probably, but somebody has because I don't know. And maybe it's Optimus and me. What if he legit does love her? <laughs> and she legit is just like, no. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's love on his part. But I don't, that, that was my issue with their relationship. Well, well that's like, my thing is like gods can love. Like this version of God can like Greek gods do love. I mean, except she continually talks about the fact that he has no heart. Um, yeah, but that doesn't mean anything to me. Like heart has I nothing think... to do with love. That's like so... <laughs> okay. Um, in, in fiction, yeah. hearts have nothing to do with it. <laughs> like no. So, well, he's got no heart. He's got no soul. Um, he's got a, he's got a lot of parts missing. Um, who I needs those people's I... soul? <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I really I also adore the loathe to love. I think the problem for me here is the power dynamic. I normally like a loathe to love when they are pretty equal. Yeah. Peers of the same kind. Here the power dynamic is so off so off that I think for me that's where it sits wrong. Yeah. That's I mean, even she brought it up in the book. It's hard to not see that dynamic as possession over love. It's like, mm-hmm. it was just innately. Whether he actually did love her, which he could, he still possessed her in that way. So even if the love was there, it's still just like, well, unless you let her free, which would, I mean, counteract the fact that he got to spend time with her if he did love her, it's yeah. always off his possession, no matter what. Yeah. Because she's... It's, it's kind of like the way that we love our stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. The, I I mean I maintain the same relationship with my things as I do with like any any like any other sort of love in that way. So th- I wasn't I, I'm not I'm you. not describing like, this very I'm- well, but I don't think the, my, my my problem with this one is that I don't think that if I don't I don't think you can say that you love someone or something if you are doing something that is very clearly bad for them. In that way, I don't think that's love. I think that automatically changes into the realm of possession or something else. I don't think that's love, no matter what that person feels about that. So it, even even when it comes down to your possessions, when I see someone treat like their phone like crap, I'm like, no, you you hate this. You don't like that. Anything else they could they would say about what they think of like the great capabilities of their phone or whatever, I'd be like, yeah, no, you clearly don't care about that. You threw it a minute ago. Like I. I, that, yeah. that's well, like, what their relationship is to me. 
Yeah. See, to me, it's not even does he treat her well, does he not treat her well. I love my dogs. My dogs are my possessions. I restrict where they go. I restrict who they see. I rest- you know, They don't really have much choice in anything. Now, I still love them. I still treat them well because I do love them. But it is very much a possessive love. And it is very different than the way I love Mitch, who is his own person, who gets to do his own things, who opinion and decisions are free and so that's where i think even if luke treats her well it's still a very possessive love that's that like uh made me think so he specifically noted that he cannot control the free will of people who'd given their souls to him already like he can't control them so like the whole idea that um the staff at the restaurant was there and he was able to manipulate them and just such like snap of a fingers he has control over them and she had asked if he was able to do that to her and he very clearly said that he wasn't which again could have been a lie we don't know it would make but, sense because then it, w- it would go against the idea of the agreement the, the deal because then he could manipulate her actions into breaking the terms so here's a complete and utter tangent, and then I'll let you get back to yours, but it literally just popped into my head. So that rooftop bar with all of the senators and everybody who doesn't get glassy-eyed, does that mean everybody in there has a deal with him? Yeah. They're all senators, right? My, no, well, she asked, she was thinking, it's like, who in here does he, like, does he, like, own is his? And he was just like, I'm not going to answer that because it's just all of them. It's all of them. Like, we don't have to go through this list. I thought of that. <laughs> in that moment more as those people weren't being manipulated by him. It's not that he can't or he has a deal with them. They're there of their own accord. But see, there's literally no other time in which everybody around him isn't manipulated. I, but he, he doesn't own the soul of the person. She, she, makes, she also makes a point in that exact same scene of saying that the other person wasn't under his control. They just were a good employee. Yeah, I just don't think he he felt the need to control that person for whatever reason. <laughs> that they, person they also weren't glassy eyed. I just think that those people were just there. There. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's an on and off thing that he can control, like whether he wants to control those people in the room or not. Um but like that was my thing that I think leans it against my will more into the love bucket versus because I so this is like my like outlook on it i don't think he was actively doing anything mean to Addie. she signed up for a deal think about what happened she signed a bad deal what part of this entire book did he actively do anything to her uh the estelle Estelle stuff when he turns her old and crippled yeah that was that was a little bit vengeful yeah that wasn't great (laughs) and like definitely like when he dumps her from paris to florence or from like it turns out well in the end, but he definitely was intending to like, but, like make her miserable. Okay, inconveniences her in that one party. I, I could argue that hey, you wanted to see the world. Yeah, like so. My thing. There is, you go. Right. Now <laughs> you have to we're, see we're, we're not like overshadowing that, but like the idea that like her living forever was like a thing that like he imposed. Like it was his uh, the deal of his making, but she asked to that. And there was two sides of the deal. She could have stopped it by going like, I'm yours. That's it. That's the end of it. Like, I think all of his deals are entrapment. It's just giving someone yeah. enough rope to hang themselves every time. <laughs> well, I mean, that's pretty much that's, all 
deals. Not necessarily. <laughs> there's, there's a, there's, no, there's a deal. literally a contract. We talked about this, about that contract that had absolutely no consideration for your thing. And I was like, no, no, you can't do, there's no deal if someone doesn't benefit or someone isn't hurt. There's, it doesn't exist. <laughs> and, and like, I, I would say, I don't think all deals or agreements are inherently one-sided or anything. It's not, it's not that. No, but they are all intended, like, a good deal is where everybody walks away thinking they got one, one over the other person. Yeah. I suppose. That's, that's what's considered a successful deal is if everybody walks away going, yeah, I got one, I pulled one over on somebody else. I guess I've just never, I, I, I constantly am presented with the idea that I am not like other people in this regard. I refuse to work any job that even offers the idea of a commission because I think they're inherently predatory. People are incentivized to step on someone else's throat to lift themselves up. I, I just can't in anything. If, if I go to Goodwill and I see something that I know is worth like a million dollars and I could buy it for three ninety nine, I would not take that three ninety nine, leave with that thing and then have a million dollars. I would, I would take it to the people who, who run Goodwill. I know how their system works. I would say you guys probably want to list this online with one of your online bids. This is worth a lot more than what it is. That's just okay, me. I. So that to me, that, okay. that second sample <laughs> sounds wonderful. I know Elizabeth was watching my face going <laughs> like i like the second one because that's just that's just you know the person obviously doesn't know how much that's worth i've seen that on many television shows where a person walks in with something that's basically priceless give it to a pawn shop and they're like yep we'll take this and then next thing you know the news is all over the place about all this like famous artwork blah 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 but my thing of just like with commissions and stuff like that that's everything for me in life it's like someone is going to benefit off of someone else's detriment. Like you don't have to actively like go for it. Like not saying step on people's necks to get where you're going, but like the same way that like, Oh yes. If someone gets a commission at a job, cause I've worked on commission based jobs before I'm not actively at that job going like, I'm going to force this person to take this because it benefits it's me. Just nothing, but no, they get, I get good on it. Nothing like they sold. Nothing has a commission that is so good of a product that a person would buy this naturally. I mean, I worked in insurance. They legally have to have it. And I got commissioned for every person that's done. No, I, so, get like, that. I get that one. But there's something else about the terms well, of that insurance that makes it like unappetizing that someone has to convince I them would, of the, the upsides of it. I would assert that that's not entirely true because a lot of times, and it, cause it, entirely depends on the structure of the commission. If you have a true base salary that is sufficient or is adequate or industry standards above, you know, and there's commission on top, that is usually just to incentivize you to work harder. That cuz there are a number of situations, well, I have friends who work in ag who sell seeds or herbicides, pesticides, mm -hmm. uh, growth stuff, all of those things farmers need and, and yeah, they do need them. I, the only thing I would say, this is a much longer conversation, but I mean, <laughs> when, when we when we go into those kind of things for genetically modified organisms, there are things that don't actually create their own seeds that are like inherent, like those are much more the crops that are actually sold to people. People are buying seeds more essentially kind of like on a lease basis for things. I don't, I think that there are still broken parts in every system that has in any kind of incentive 
on the back end. Well, except what I'm, I guess what I'm, the part that I have a problem with is your assertion that the product must not be good if somebody's getting a commission on no, that No, I, I didn't say it's not that it's not good. It's not that it's so good that someone would buy it naturally on that kind of level. What? They're trying to do something else to incentivize someone to sell it or otherwise make it more appetizing to a person so that more people will come in and buy it. If it were already great, like it, it, it would be, it, it would be sold so widely. So then what about solar panels? So electric solar cars. Do, they, they did have incentives, and so do so, so do electric cars. And those are bad things. No, but th- they're not. They're not taken up because they're not taken up by people so willingly because they're so appetizing. They do have to sell those to people with other incentives. Except people need to be incentivized I, to do things. People yeah. don't do things if they aren't incentivized. I'm sorry. I feel like this is like a conversation I started because everyone's just off on this tangent. It's my <laughs> no. It's 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 just like so. I don't know how to bring this back to the book. <laughs> I mean, I, I was just before, before I was just trying to say like the whole reason I started the thing with uh, talking about Eddie and Luke's relationship. I think they did a good job of showing like a truly abusive relationship in this one. Anyone who's been who's known someone who was in a really abusive relationship, those were th- those ideas were mirrored perfectly in the way this conversation went. That's why I'm so shocked that you guys were singing any kind of praises for the like like loathe to love thing in this context. Like, like I think it, it does show like one example of an abusive type of relationship, but I also think that like this relationship because we we see these in like all types of books like one of my favorite books is pride and prejudice and for half of that movie he's basically just going around calling her an idiot and stupid and i would never marry anyone like her and she was mm-hmm. mentally abusive yeah. yeah and then going and being like i only said those things because i love you like you think of like the same things of like what we like teach kids that are like oh if he pokes at you or he teases you he likes you if like, he pulls your pigtails, he likes you. Yeah, like, that's just, like, a thing that's kind of ingrained in us. And obviously, this is a much more exaggerated, um, like, version of that. But it was basically a person going around trying to make her life horrible so that he seemed enough. Like, I think that there was kind of, like, that, like, parallel between him and Henry is Luke himself couldn't get her to spend time with him. She did not want to. He was never going to be love for her. And like, so he did everything in his power just to make like him, like her, the rest of her life seem awful so that he was, you know, the kind of saving grace and all of that. And that is abusive. You see that in all kinds of relationships where they make everything else seem awful for you. So that one little tidbit that they give you, that one little olive branch is like, oh my God, my life's wonderful. But I just, I kind of chalked it up to that. But like, I feel like humans, me specifically, I, I always find those characters in books and I find them just intriguing. I'm not necessarily applauding their actions, but I find them to be intriguing characters. Mm. It's also more that I've read worse. (laughs) I've read more abusive relationships that ended up happily ever after in other young adult series. Like, this is nothing abusive-wise relationship to other. I can't go back from that. That was just bad in writing, bad in everything. Yeah, that's bad everything. But yeah, Fifty Shades (laughs) of Grey, Twilight is another great example. Super popular. Is a worse abusive relationship than this one. It's like it's the idea of 
the dynamic of the person making or isolating you so completely that the only respite you have in life is them. That's her entire life. So I Again, don't know what, okay. of, what she isolated herself. <laughs> like, these are things that like they present a situation like, for you. And then the woman character walks into it. Is it a great trope? No, but it's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Now here's a slight counter ish argument. I don't know. Would she have fallen for Henry if he didn't remember her or if he, yeah, no, I, 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 no. I, no. exactly. I don't know. So if, I don't know if we get to know that one because we also we don't get we don't have anyone else to remember her against that one and she she also calls into doubt the idea of whether their relationship was love immediately after yeah i I feel like this was the author's intention was to have you fight over luke or henry the two boys that actually remember her always that was legit her intention and that's why i'm like i can't love this book because like now i feel like i've been tricked by the author because i thought this was super complex and it's like no like if you can't be remembered can you actually fall in love no the only people you can fall in love with are the people that actually remember you yeah, but what is love? I I, I think it explores the very interesting concept of what is love. Is it comfort? Is it trust? Is it what is it? What mm-hmm. actually is it? And who is, is capable of it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, I think yeah, that's the thing of like every. I'm just starting now. My brain just can't help but make connections with every other book ever. Like I thought when we started this conversation that this book was so unique. And the storyline, and it was so unique. And at this point, now my brain just entrapped in this like horrible circle of like, no, they really gave us like the bad character that she's like not in love with, but like falling into just like relationship area with. And then the good character, which we want her to be in, and then she tries for a little bit, but still ends up with the other one. Like, and then she get bored of the good one. <laughs> that like. So, like team Luke who are just like yeah like team Henry that's just like but I think I think it can still be classified as a good book and well done and yes. well written mm-hmm. because oh, yeah. the truth of the matter is is read enough books and they all share a lot of I mean unfortunately there are only so many chords on a guitar there are only so many ways to put them together Every song is going to have some overlap. There's only so many ways to put stories together that are enjoyable mm-hmm. that it's just kind of tweaking around the edges after a certain point. And that's okay. Well, and you can still get good new reads uh, out of that. This one, well, it's just the reality. Mythology. This isn't even our first book about a lady from France who, who, <laughs> who has long lived in modern, in modern times. That's like even in the time this podcast has been going. <laughs> yep. But, like, I appreciate that, though. It's just the thing of, like, humans have got so much to offer emotionally and, like, story-wise that they're like, we're going to tie this a slightly different way. This character lives here instead, so their experience is slightly different. It ends the same way, guys. Like, you're humans, you die. You're humans, you fall in love. You're humans, like, you may fall in love with the wrong person. It's, you, you've got, like, a life to live. Books characters have, like, a life to live. <laughs> can't just, like, throw a wrench in it and be like, they loved no one ever they had no heart it didn't exist like that's not a thing so yeah well it makes it a hard character to connect to yeah i want someone to try and just, just so i can read that and see if i can still connect to the person but like 
or even intriguing if that can be written because the whole write what you know thing can a person truly write about someone that's <laughs> i mean i would be very intrigued but i think we'd fall into the trap that jessica currently is falling into with this book and the fan fiction would just impute <laughs> the love story that doesn't exist <laughs> in the actual story you know, it's kind of like the uh, Thor Rangarok, uh comment about the fact that, like, there's no love story in there, except for those three minutes where it's implied that, you know, Loki went down on Jeff Goldblum. But it's like, so people impute all of this stuff. <laughs> I, I didn't get that part either. <laughs> what the hell was that? But I waited for it. Me. Did, was that scene cut out? Yeah, I don't remember this. <laughs> It wasn't, but it's literally what people have imputed into the story as being part of the movie. That's not there. They get like that the all Mandela entirely effect? from like a side glance. I need and to people are like, no, there has to be a love story. There has to be sex in this movie. So, Oh my god, it literally pops up on Google. <laughs> <laughs> I don't make this stuff up on my own. I am not that creative. <laughs> I guess like the the thing that like pe- people do expect those things all the time, and sometimes it's to it, there's there are situations where it's that the actual romance between characters will be so poorly written that people have to look somewhere else between the two rivals who have the most going on against each other, just because they still have the most dynamic relationships. Love, hate, but I also mm-hmm. think that people see their like own desires and stuff in those sort of things. So if you're okay. current. A situation where you're having a love-hate relationship with someone, you are going to ship the love-hate relationship in a story. You just are. The same way it's like, I know I have like me versus like some of my more I don't know, like love-struck friends. Like, their like outlook towards Hopeless romantics? Well, like, I think I'm a hopeless romantic, but I am not, like, I don't see it in everything. Like, it's not (laughs) hopeless. Then you're not a hopeless romantic. You're just a romantic. (laughs) Romantic. But, like, I have friends that, like, see it in everything. Like, every single thing can be love. And they refuse to be, like, knocked off that pedestal. And it is a great outlook toward life. If you are that type of person, you keep on believing in that. But, like, they're always going to look at the relationship that's, like, shiny and pretty and want that one to be the successful one in the book because they see that as, like, the prime relationship. That's the one that should work out. They check all the boxes. There's no, like, conflict between it. There's no, like, fighting. There's none of that. It's the one that works. So, like, I know the people that would read the book and be like her and henry they're perfect together they're great they both like books they're witty all these kinds of stuff and they'd only it's all sunshine and roses and roses there then you know the whole argument part with her and henry would happen and they think the whole thing was falling apart almost instantaneously (laughs) but like there's just like that sort of thing where like it reflects kind of i guess what your outlook on love is toward a book so, like, I know that, like, some people who've been in probably more abusive relationships would have been like, nah, her and Luke are normal. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's just something that they're accustomed to. You <laughs> sound very concerned no, 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 cause, about cause, our past. Because I'm, I'm from the opposite side of that one, where I was in a relationship that was absolutely terrible. And I think that's why I get so hung up on the idea of it being so negative. And you recognize you- it's terrible. No, yeah, well, like, um, no. Honestly, only only, toward, only towards the end and after. When when you're in it, you don't necessarily pick up on those things. That's why I think I, there's such a problem with the power I, imbalance part. 
I would also assert that there is some societal. Yes. If both men and women can be abusive. Both men and women can be victims of abuse. Both men and women can be in abusive relationships. Get your lawyer on. Yep. <laughs> women are societally trained to see low levels of abuse as, as forms mm -hmm. of love. Yes. That's what I, I, I don't know of any guy who was thing. told if the girl punches you, she likes you. Mm. No, no, it's it was still a thing. It was still a thing. Was I, it? Yeah. That is like, but it, I don't, not as bad, I don't though, know. Obviously. Yeah. Where, I don't know where in like adolescence and like puberty and growing up, it stays for the girls and guys like, nope, that's <laughs> not right. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Oh, <laughs> like, that, that wasn't true. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and girls don't get that. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no, we're just abused our entire lives by society <laughs> as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that thing. Wow, we touched on a lot of topics. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that was the point of this book. I think that's yeah. I think that's the author's purpose in this is to provide you a hyper reality to examine these issues in. Because mm. she does touch on a lot of the human experience. I mean she Love, loss, you know, learning to be who you are, <laughs> learning to express yourself. Learning to come to grips with your reality. No, never. How to be lonely, yeah. how, to, how to be a part of the world when you can't be, you know. It's a lot of those things. Reality sucks. <laughs> well, yes, it does, but that's why we read fiction. Ah. So, <laughs> on that note, any last thoughts? Because I do think we need to wrap it up. So, I, I'm curious. I like Would you guys recommend this to people? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's one I always want to end with. Like, no matter what, I want to get that one in. We can still talk about okay. it. Okay. Yes. yes. Yes, I would. I would recommend Pretty this. much all the people. to anybody who likes the fantasy science fiction realm. Yeah. I actually saw sort of a bracket thing. So I follow a lot of book bookstagram things. And there was a bracket where it was, it came down, it was like a series, I think 25 books. And it came down to this book versus another book that I think came out around the same time. And I was like, if this book doesn't win, I have not read the other book. It could be wonderful and just amazing. But I got like very intrigued. It's like, if they do not push Addie to the number one spot, I'm going to be very mad now, about it. Now, how did the bracket turn out? Yeah. They Addie, like the Invisible Life of Addie LaRue did come out number one. But now Yay. I feel like to read the other book to see if that was fair. I'm so curious <laughs> about what the other one was. That's all What's I want to know. the other one? Do you remember it? I can't, I remember the cover, but I can't remember the name. But I was will it follow. turquoise. No, it was it, it was like a floral um, covering type of thing, but it looked That's very all the similar. Books right now, dang it! Yeah, we'll I know. Everything is looking the same right now. Um, okay, I would like to spread appreciation for the Beethoven scene. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely so like I that he really is the demon of the crossroads, like. Just I also really appreciated that we got the dichotomy between Beethoven and the old woman in New Orleans. Yep. Mm. Oh, yeah. And the Love way that they that. approached it and therefore Love the way like, he yep. approached it. Mm -hmm. Let's go. I thought that was very interesting. Um, okay. I mean, so. awesome. Oh, sorry. <laughs> go for it. I think the thing that I appreciated the most is his sort of explanation for that type of thing where she asked him how doesn't he feel some type of way about like stealing the life of like artists when they're like at their prime and he's like 
they make the deals and people want to be legends more than they want like longevity so they'll give up being talented for 50 years to get that fame at year 20 and i'm just like wow i mean yeah because i mean it kind of reflected in how beethoven acted when he was like it's not time yet i just got here and how the woman who probably didn't ask for anything like fame or like success just wanted something which is like it's time okay well cool. you know that's it yeah so, up next, in honor of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's uh, birthday, come back and join us in May. We are going to do four books in four weeks because we are maybe insane. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> and we're going to do four different versions of Sherlock. I should have grabbed versions of Sherlock is probably best. So I'm going to jump us off um, with the classic and we are going to read a study in Scarlet. So join us back for a study in Scarlet. This is the first of the Sherlock Holmes novels. So there are collections of short stories, but in this story, this is where we get the introduction of Dr. Watson and Sherlock Holmes meeting for the first time and their first case together. So, I think it's going to be really exciting. And then we'll have three more books for you right after. So grab uh, Study in Scarlet. It's a short read. And then we'll see you back here the first week of May. Mm-hmm. All <laughs> right. Naima, if anybody wants to reach out to you to discuss uh, love, loathe to love relationships, <laughs> where can they find you? Totally go to Jessica for that first. But... <laughs> Oh, and I've got a different one for Jessica. Don't worry. Oh, no. um, they can find me on Instagram or on Twitter as other pages, other places, or on Instagram as Ema Janan. Excellent. And Jessica, where can people find you if they want to talk mythology fan fiction? Ooh, mythology fan fiction, which is basically all books anyway, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, you can tweet at me as JM Bailey writes. And Stephen, if people, if where can people find you if they want to, if you want to continue this conversation on commission-based uh, sales? This is a good one for this. I was actually going to hype my my profile on the brand new artist app, Artful, A R T F O L. Uh, it's the same handle as what I have on Twitter. Uh, it's Peppermint Gent. That's short for Peppermint Gentleman. I guarantee, if you're using that application, you'll probably come down on the same side of things with me on that one. <laughs> Probably, probably. I am definitely the evil capitalist and I accept no. it. Um, <laughs> you can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. Archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts can be found on our website, geekelitemedia.com. So if you've also got a few dollars, please come join us on our Patreon page of our extra episodes, fun videos and interactions with all of us at the Geek Elite Media Network. But until next time, this is the love of pages reminding you to always keep turning those pages and always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast.